He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. Before a great keeper now, about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast, week 94, and after a few stuttering starts, the first of the new season for 2016, um, I'd like to welcome Barry back. Hey, Barry. Hey, James. Just so everyone knows, we don't do wraparound seasons. We're calendar season people here on the podcast. So, uh, yeah. Certainly are. And, uh, uh, apologies for delays. Uh, a lot of work stuff kind of just kept cropping up in the way. Um, but we made an extra big effort this week and finally got here on Thursday. So delighted to be back. And we're we're back to normal now, so we're we're we'll be on on the podcast downloads every Tuesday, Wednesday from now on. Yeah. Um, if anybody wants to get in contact with us, our Twitter handle hasn't changed. It's at podcast GTS, and the email is a good talk spoiled at gmail dot com. Um, I suppose, uh, Barry, let's have a, a very brief look back at our own games over the last number of weeks. Um, a little bit disappointing. The old winter months and the winter weather has really set in. Log waterlogged. Yeah. Course, bit of frost, bit of everything, but we did manage, thankfully, to get nine holes, albeit on frost greens last week. Yeah, weekend. We, we've been anybody, anybody in Ireland or the UK will know the last since November. It's it's been an unprecedented barrage of rain, just storm after storm, just whipping through record rain levels, and as a result, the golf course has been flooded, just you know, ruined, bunkers washed out, and our course has been closed an awful lot. Uh, so we've had very limited golf. I think maybe played on Glen, on Glen of the Downs twice since maybe middle twice, of December, twenty twenty ninth of December, and yeah. last last Saturday. Um, so in the last five weeks, yet. we've had two nine. You know, we've had two rounds of golf and the two uh, nine holers. So uh, the, the other disappointing thing, from my perspective, is that uh, it's it's all nine hole competitions at the moment. So this Saturday again, it's another nine hole competition. So even when you do have the opportunity, even if it's on frost greens, you get out yeah. and. Where we play kind of around that half nine, ten o'clock time, you can't then get another nine, even if you play the back nine twice, because they've kind of closed the front nine at the moment, mm. that you can't get that second nine in because there's guys teeing off in the competition. So it's a bit frustrating. Uh, it's a bit stop start, a bit like the podcast, but uh, <laughs> hopefully over the next few weeks, you know, a little bit of less rain and a bit of sunshine and you well, know maybe you just know, dry the place up a bit there's, a, there's another minute minute and a bit of sunlight every day so and uh, that, that can only help dry things out eventually well so. it doesn't uh, it doesn't stop us getting to the driving range and things like that each week so, some, um, some of us some, some of us, some of us yeah. have actually I wasn't going to point that finger no no no, no do you know what I've actually I, I kind of just embraced the forced break sometimes uh, I play temp and bowling competitively and I usually take a break during the summer uh, because you know the leagues are finished, and so um, and and it's an indoor sport. So during the summer, it's kind of doesn't really make sense to me, even though there are tournaments all over the place. So I just take a break during the summer, and it actually builds the fire up to and the eagerness to play again. So I kind of embrace this enforced break from golf with the lack of the course being open, and uh, now I'm really, really just itching to go again, and I want to go practice, I want to go play a lot rather than 
oh god I'm off the driving range again it's another Wednesday you never have that uh, never have that feeling on Wednesdays when I'm walking out the door of the office and going well I'm off to play golf (laughs) well yeah it's okay it's okay if you're leaving the office but anyway so uh, yeah I'm looking forward to it I'm sure it won't like honest to god it won't be long before we're hitting March and we're on full 18 hill competitions and then it'll only be three or four weeks we're on to full qualifying competitions yeah here's hoping and uh, I suppose if anybody who is listening and I know we have a few listeners from south of the uh, equator and Australia and New Zealand and places if uh, any photos of you know beautiful greens and uh, sunshine uh, fairways you know send them on to the to the Twitter handle at podcast GTS and thanks for all those who have contacted us and uh, have uh, kept asking you where we've been over the last couple of weeks and uh, our failure to get a podcast out uh, my apologies for going ahead in the sand of those as well I kind of felt guilty that we weren't getting a podcast out so uh, my answers were a bit limited this is a bit like when I don't send work back to people and you just ignore their phone calls for a few days yeah kind um, of. <laughs> well I suppose look we got to look back on a, on a good few weeks of some news and I suppose it, it's only right to start um, on a very local a local bit of news and a very sad bit of news which was the uh, the passing of Christy O'Connor Jr., who died uh, tragically over in um, over in Tenerife at the age of 67, certainly seems to have gone far too soon at uh, at only 67. But you know, um, a, a great ambassador for the game, a great you know stalwart for for Irish golf and European tour golf, and uh, will be will be greatly missed. Um, I think Barry, you you were reminiscing a little bit uh, in some of the footage that they kept showing mm. here about him. I think most people around the world will kind of, or golf fans around the world are known for that two iron. Of course we do as well. We're also fortunate to have local reminders of Christy and the, like the golf courses he's designed and they're, you know, the things he did on the golf course himself, but also what he did to design golf courses there. They're going to be a great legacy for him. And um, it's, it's awful that he went so soon. Something, you know, but unfortunately and, that's life. You know, uh, our sympathy goes out to Anne, his, his, wife and uh you know just when you think when you look at the stats you know turning professional in 1967 17 tour wins and uh tied third in the 1985 open championship so a lot to uh a lot to remember and a lot of uh you know memories that uh will live long and i suppose then moving from that to i suppose uh, congratulations to tiger woods on turning 40 uh, i don't think unless you've been living under a rock you wouldn't have seen um the kind of long celebrations that seem to be going on with the Golf Channel and various other media outlets about Tiger Woods turning 40. If uh, Bobby Donnelly was here, that would now be the death nail in, in any... Oh, he's gone. Um, yeah, <laughs> winning any more tournaments or any more majors. Well, any major on US soil. Only one one player over the age of 40 has won a major on US soil since, I don't know, Bob, Bob's staff. Let's extend it back to 1794 at this stage, but it's a long Before time. Before golf was even invented. Exactly. No, it is a long... I think it's about nearly 20 years at this stage. So, And that was Vijay Singh. So, um, it's... The, the statistical um, window for Tiger winning more another major is uh, is closing, but he has always been the exception to the rule in this sport since he arrived. So it wouldn't surprise me if he if he was the one that did it. Well, so, that's it. Like he broke barriers yeah. hugely, not just because of color and all the rest, but in terms of just bringing fitness into the game, bring everything. He revolutionized it. Whether he can keep up with the Jordan Spieths and the Roy McIlroys now. Only time will tell. I think we all just want him back on a golf course, uh, just for a bit more healthy, a healthy run. 
would be great. Um, a lot of stuff coming out over the course of the, that time, you know, that he was back chipping golf balls and things like that. They were slightly unconfirmed sightings of him at various locations around the world, but uh, hopefully he does come back. Uh, I know I've given a hard time, but I do kind of miss actually not having him to, to give out about over the yeah. uh, podcast, but... Love him or loathe him, I think he's needed in the game. Yeah, uh, love him or loathe him, and uh, who isn't needed is uh, Greg Norman, who has been fired from Fox Golf. Barry, you had a look at this the other day and pointed me in the direction of it. Uh, yeah, apparently wasn't doing his preparation work for his um, for his telecasts. Which I suppose probably leads us very nicely on to why Will's not here. He's been sacked this season for not doing <laughs> his preparation, um, but he will, will, will be back at... Uh, at a future date when he served his time in purgatory. Um, yeah, so um, I, just, I don't know whether it was kind of half-joking, but saying that he only knew the Australian golfers, he didn't know any of the other ones, but um, certainly not, not being prepared when you're out live to millions of people and they're trying to put out a top product. I mean, Fox took over from NBC in, in showing golf. who did a great job over all those years, and we've watched golf. That's, you know, the feed from NBC for years, and... Every so often we'd get their commentary instead of the Sky Sports commentary here, and I always really enjoyed what they did. So um, you expect it to be a really high standard, and if somebody's not delivering on that, I don't care what your name is, you're gone. Yeah, I don't know how much preparation, or you know, that, that might just be the the story that's put out. You never yeah. know what's going on behind the scenes. It's not going to probably affect Greg Norman overtly uh, too much on the basis that he has enough interest off the course in terms of his designs, his clothing, his wines, his you name it, uh, he, he has a finger in everything. So, you know, I, I suppose it's interesting though, and, and you know, you look at someone like Nick Faldo, you know, who did make that transition, mm-hmm. who you wouldn't necessarily have thought, hmm, there's a guy who would actually become quite a good commentator, and on the other side, Greg Norman, who you probably would think would be quite good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just interesting to see that maybe, um, maybe the preparation was the key to it. But, and... Um, Looking on then, uh, Jordan Spieth has um, signed a fairly lucrative uh, Coca-Cola deal. Um, this is an interesting one because it's it's interesting to see kind of Jordan Spieth and where he's he's going with it. But interestingly, he's not going to be, while he's a brand ambassador for Coca-Cola, he's going to be only marketing the water that they have. Um, so he won't be actually doing a huge amount of advertisement the for the regular drinks. Cokes. Okay. Um, it was interesting because when I saw it originally, I thought, hmm, that's a strange one for Jordan Spieth because he's kind of cleaner than clean at the moment. It's it's kind of the real American guy. He's got the Under Armour Association with the Which, clothing and fish. He's young. I just think that, he, yeah, he's got that. Everyone's looking up to him. He's 22, 23. You know, I, I just thought it was a strange when I saw the, 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 the yeah. announcement, but then when I read more details about it, um, they have a particular water, bottled water that Coca-Cola are responsible for and he's only going to be basically doing that. Now, I don't think it makes any difference what it is. You know, it's it's a nice deal and it shows just uh, how uh, how liquid um, no, pardon the pun, to uh, to show what Jordan Spieth is at the moment. He's, he's huge. I'd say, I'd say there's as many zeros in that deal as there are calories in a can of Coke, but I mean, they have it over... depends which one, yeah, zero in the diet. They, they have... Um, I was reading a little bit about Coke. They have way over a thousand different drinks, so you know, he's just representing one of them, but it's in the Coca-Cola family, of course. When you get an article on the internet, they're going to say, Jordan Speed sponsored by Coca-Cola. Yeah. And, and that's just a headline to, to get everybody is, in. It's interesting because, you know, I, I think there's always been that kind of behind-the-scenes rumours about Coca-Cola and... 
you know, people who are not too happy about the way that they run their business and somebody like Jordan Spieth, I'd say, has done fairly close due diligence because I don't think he'd want to to be caught up or being a brand ambassador for something that he doesn't necessarily want to. Um, looking then further down, uh, Jamie Donaldson has uh, had a fight with the Chainsaw and the Chainsaw won. Um, this is going to, you know, stick him on the sidelines for uh, a little bit. Um, I think golf, golfers are like inherent daredevils because golf is such a supposedly safe sport, you know. So when they're off the course, they get to do things like, you know, uh, not skiing and snowboarding aren't daredevil sports, but, you know, the little exhilaration sports and, you know, messing around with a chainsaw. I doubt he was messing intentionally, but, you know, you just take these things on and uh, his hand looked pretty messed up. Yeah, like of all of all things, it's uh, it's certainly not what uh, any professional golfer or anybody wants to see. But as a, a professional golfer in hands, they kind of go hand, you know, yeah, yeah, It's one of these days. Um, I, I don't like if if I was a professional golfer, that's the last thing I'd be messing around with. Something that could damage my hands like that. Yeah, it's it's a funny one. I I think. When you read Rory uh, in a very fairly open interview over Christmas about saying that, like he really, you know, he's he's decided that he's not going to do things like play football, go skiing, do things that could take him out of the game for mm-hmm. five months, six months, eight months, twelve months, or longer. That uh, there is a short window of opportunity for a lot of these players. You know, if you take it on the basis that Rory wants to, you know, get up to say Jack's level or you know even Tiger's level. Winning one a year is 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 kind of required, you mm-hmm. know. When you take two or three major tournaments out over a season, it's 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 a very very difficult mountain to climb. And his football injury effectively, you know, it took him out of one major, but it effectively took him out of two because he was still coming back when he played the PGA. So there's, you know, that's. But it takes him out also of defending a championship. So we yeah, for, for somebody yeah, like passion. Jamie, who were you know, who was the don't want to say the hero of the Ryder Cup because it's hard when it's a team event but hit the hit the winning shots yeah. to do it and, and they'll be the images we remember but for him getting back into the Ryder Cup playing well this year was great mm-hmm. motivation and now being out you know everything is so strategically thought through for these pros you know their schedule what week they're having off when their season starts what their preparation on the course is going to be and, and why it benefits them to, to perform at their best by having a schedule set out like that you know Whatever, how many weeks they play in a row, and then however many weeks they take as a break, he's not going to have to rejig everything. His plans are going to change completely because of this. Uh, it might work to his benefit, but probably if he's had, you know, guys where his fitness coach, his manager, travel, you know, not his travel agent, but you know, it's all meticulously planned and well, you know, it's, it's you know, works. it's 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 a lot of hassle, but um, we wish him the very best and hope that he comes back as. You know, he's one of the good guys in golf, and uh, it's good to see him on the course. Um, before we move on, I should also have said, and I forgot to say it, I was meant to, I was given out to a couple of times over Christmas for not giving a shout-out to Andrew Hayden and Derek Carroll, who has been listening to the podcast over the last year and keep telling me that I never give them a shout-out. So, Andrew, Dara, I'm now giving you your shout-out, so we can now move on. Um in terms of the, the year ahead, Barry, and, you know, we're not going to talk about our own um, things no. that we're looking forward to in our own game. I just want to very briefly talk about the preview of the year. You know, obviously the Masters is now about six odd weeks, seven weeks away. Um, it's not particularly a long. Little bit slightly longer. Little bit longer. I'm trying to speed it up in my head. <laughs> yeah, I, know. Um, I think we all are. You know, but we, we've obviously got four majors. We've got 
the Ryder Cup, we have the Olympics, we have a very much looking forward to Irish Open here. And the rivalry between Spieth, Roy McIlroy, Jason Day, and then a lot of other guys that seem to keep getting forgotten about below that. But is there anything that stands out for you over the next 12 months that you're kind of saying, yeah, that's that's one that I'm going to make sure I'm sitting and watching every minute of, or what is it about 2016 that you're you're very much looking forward to? Well, James, I'm glad you asked me this because I just found this Tumblr page called How Many Days Until the Masters, and it's 76 days, uh, 10 hours, 9 minutes, and a few seconds. So this is definitely going to be one of the pages I'll have open on, <laughs> on my browser. It's pretty you can't get it as an app. If somebody has that as an app that I can have every day... Or do you know what? I used to have, uh, my wife used to have one of them for how many days it was till our wedding. I might just change the date to the, to the masters. Perfect. <laughs> um, just as exciting. Um, what am I looking forward to the most this year? I think I got, my appetite got whetted a little bit for the Ryder Cup. It's a long time away, but it's always going to be exciting. And the Eurasia Cup just kind of put the Ryder Cup at the forefront of my mind. You know, here we go. We're on, like, it's not going to be, it's what, nine months until it? there or thereabouts so um, really excited for that I'm very excited to see golf in the Olympics this could be a one time deal for golf if it goes well and the Olympic committee and the politics and everything like it then it could be you know it, it might get a permanent fixture but this could be a one and done for golf in the Olympics and um, that puts an, like a lot of pressure on these guys to make it because they're all going to want to make it to get to the Olympics and play in it so it's going to be a really interesting um, side story to the regular golf season that is, or sorry, the special golf season that is a Ryder Cup year. Um, it's could be a, could be a very exciting year altogether. Yeah, I think I think on the European side, the Ryder Cup is going to be very interesting because there's a lot of really really good players. Your Danny Willits, your Fitzpatrick's, you know, there's a lot of really top European players that. Uh, you know, could end up knocking the likes of your Poulters, your Lee Westwoods, you know, out of contention. And, yeah. And uh, then all of a sudden, you're going to have to be looking at getting wild cards. They, there's so much depth in the European team that there's going to be some very big names that might be on the outside looking in, um, which is going to be, I think, the, the generational transition, which will be very interesting to watch. For me, you know, it, it goes without saying, you know, the Rory... The speed, the day, look, you know, how's that going to play out over mm. the... I don't know, who else is going to put their their hat in the ring for that big slugfest? And, 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 and you know, Ricky Fowler certainly has uh, put a foot forward in his, new, in his new high-top shoes as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, you know, well, the wins last year, the wins in style last year, you know, his previous... The last two years, he's really, you know, stepped on it. And um, I'm really interested to see how, how he goes this year you now after... Such a, such success last year. Will he really get in the mix for a major, and will he take one down? And the thing is, what what I think we all would love to see is four majors where there's five or six guys come Sunday on the back nine of a Sunday, you yeah. know, and and the big, you know, the big guys. They're all within one or two shots. Your Rory's, your Jordans, but also your Bubba Watsons, you know. Um, Throw a fill know, in there for the fill yeah. as well, you know. But like, you know, you want to see those guys. You want to see, mm. you know, a really good like Luke Donald. You want to see all of them on Sunday, all battling it out, and um, you know, hopefully, all roughly in the same groups or or together, and and kind of 
bouncing off each other. But also the the, the amateur guys or the, the the rookies coming on. You know, this guy uh, Bryson uh, DeChambeau, like yeah. he looks like a very interesting character. You know, what he did in the collegiate game is is going to be something that you know not many people have done before. Very illustrious list who've won those two tournaments coming into this. And a few other amateur guys who are waiting till after the Masters to to kind of come across because they're there because of their amateur status. And See, that's a smart play. What what do you do? You have your invite to the Masters as an amateur. Oh, I think you wait. Like, you hang you on. Know, yeah, but like, what for? What benefit is there to, mm. to pull the trigger now? They they're getting all the invites anyway to all mm. these competitions. You know, you look at Paul Dunn, like. You know, if Paul Donald got it, I think he would have waited until uh, yeah. until the Masters. The, the money, come, like, the money will come eventually. They, these are young lads, you know. And, and I was reading this week, um, you know, about a, uh, you know, everyone knows that we're Liverpool fans and Jurgen Klopp. Look, they're young. Money shouldn't be the most important thing. It should be taking the opportunity and an opportunity to go to the Masters as an amateur, mm. I, I, to go to any of the majors, but to go with a little bit of. You know, pressure off the shoulders and go and learn it, go and enjoy it, really mm. soak it in, and come back in twelve months' time. If you're good enough, you'll be back. But and don't give up that opportunity. That's a really good point. I mean, and you're going there as you're going there to play for the first time in competition. Um, you don't have that pressure. You don't, you don't have the pressure of the money. Yeah, you have the pressure of the tournaments, but you don't have the pressure of the money that you'd have as if, if you were a first year professional. The money will come into it a bit, you know, because you're trying to make enough money to get your card for the next year. They're going on a kind of a free pass as an amateur. And you get to stay in the butler cabin. I think you, apparently he gets boiled rotten as an amateur. Oh, I'd say so. I'd say it's... I, but even just being yeah. able to get there and play. The more you play it, the better you get. Mm. You know, as, as they say, you get to know all the intricacies of it. And the reality is, that's what you want to do. You want to go... Wouldn't it be just a dreadful situation if you'd never got to go back? If someday, you know, you you, you got to take that opportunity. Yeah. And for the sake of three, four months... You know Absolutely. what, like, or even they, six or seven turn. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's the last major of the year. It's not like it's mid-August. It's it's you know the very first major. It's in April. Mm-hmm. Go and enjoy it, and then you know have fun and kick off the the year after that. Um, the LPGA have taken a, a fairly long sabbatical and uh, haven't really had much going on over the last while. There seems to be um, more and more articles coming about out of you know this person or that person is doing fashion this or fashion that but in terms of the golf there's been very little going on in the LPGA so they are back next week this week they are oh, sorry next we're, week we're doing the preview yeah. bit now Barry yeah. Yeah. I know I'm just I'm, the yeah, they're, they're not on an eternal sabbatical no. they, they are coming back um, <laughs> the European Tour started back at the Joburg and uh, started back at the BMW South Africa my bad <laughs> I put them in the wrong order uh, well the BMW South Africa yeah. um, was the start back and uh, that was down in Gapteng I have no idea how you say that but welcome back to the podcast actually <laughs> my, my pronunciation is about as bad as it was um, you had a, a quick look at this uh, let's just go with Brandon Stone one he had a very nice, very very nice moving day on Saturday with a 65. Put himself in a great position and wasn't under too much pressure to to shoot a low one on Sunday. And one by two shots from uh, Christian Bezendehout. And that's my attempt at his surname. And I was going to say the only reason that I throw it over, and I'm about to throw over the yeah. next one to you as well. So the the, the Joburg Open was last yeah. week. I, I'm a little premature there, but uh, they, that was down in uh, the Royal Johannesburg and Kingston Golf Club. 
7,677 yard par 72 and I didn't really get to see much of this but uh, Barry you had a little bit of a view of it uh, caught little bits of it along the way more so in kind of green jealousy rage watching them play in sunny warm golf and a golf course that didn't look completely saturated and Anyway, on the flip side, yeah. actually this year it was a course, the little bit that I did get to see, they were actually talking about how uh, how good the course had held up because there was a, no no rain down there, so it's usually very, very dry yeah. and very brown, but it was It wasn't lush. too bad, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, fair play to them and, and putting it in such good condition. Uh, this was an interesting one because it was an open one of these open qualifying competitions on the European Tour where the, what was it, the top three players who finish inside the top 10, who aren't already qualified for the Open Championship, get a spot in the Open Championship. So even if you aren't in the running to try to get that title on the back line on Sunday, there's something to, something re, a really nice prize to play for. And that's another special major to get into the Open Championship. So the tournament was won by Hayden Porteous with uh, off, what, off to a flyer from start, you know, 66-66. Put himself in great shape. And uh, they all sort of bunched up a bit on Sunday afternoon and he just kind of stretched away from them. And uh, he won by... Uh, 18 under next uh, was Xander Lombard uh, minus 16 and um, the old South Africans again doing well down there we know that like anybody yeah. who is ever looking at betting down in, in the South African swing back, should no, back uh, the never guys. go beyond the South yeah. African guys they were they were all over it um, interestingly I suppose just to, to, to again turn inward for the moment Paul Dunn whose first start as a, mm-hmm. as a tour professional uh, got delayed by a week because of the BMW got food poisoning so slightly belated uh, started 71 a super 63 on day 2 68 72 ended up ninth uh, at minus 13 you know starts the old checkbook with you know 21,000 euros it must be a confidence booster for him that's, you know. a, that's about a 12 to what he's going to need to keep his card what a start it's brilliant. He's going to be thrilled. And there was times kind of on kind of Saturday, there was, you know, he kind of jittered and jolted a bit, looked like he was going to make a move, then double bogey kind of set him back a bit and then mm. kind of got going again. But hugely promising for Paul Dunn. If he, if he plays like that, you know, for such a young lad, you know, we can start talking about the fact that, and I'm not trying to, this is only one tournament, but hopefully if he can do that, and can continue to do that, mm-hmm. then it, it proves that the, the Open wasn't a fluke. Grab right? another top 10 maybe in the next five or six tournaments, and he'll, re- you know, this won't have been just a fluke or an aberration. You know, he'll prove to himself rather than anybody else. I don't think he cares about the rest of the world. He's proven to himself that he can do it, and he thinks and knows, it feels he belongs there. So another top 10 or top 20 in the next few weeks, and uh, that, um, yeah, could catapult him on to hopefully a really successful season. Um we're cheering him on all the way. He, he lives really close. To, well, sorry, he's from very close to us, um, from Greystones, which is just down the road from Glenville Downs, our home course. He's now living the dream. Uh, so, uh, so the very best of luck to him. And at the same time as that was going on, the Eur- Eur- Eurasia Cup was taking place in uh, Kuala Lumpur, in Malaysia. It was a shortish course, six, uh, seven thousand and four yards, par seventy. It was uh, Darren Clark's, I suppose. Um, you know, starting to cry and look at the lads, see what they're like, put pairings together. You know, in that respect, it's a it's a good tournament for Europe mm-hmm. in the in the lead up to the Ryder Cup. And um, 
certainly comments from Darren Clark about the importance of Ian Poulter and Lee Westwood for the younger lads in the, the dressing room kind of show that there might be, if you can say there's a leaning towards these guys being in America, you know, it's uh, it, it, it's probably that. Yeah, I think he's probably just not ruling them out. Um, at this stage, it wouldn't make sense for him to do it at all. So say, for example, we get whatever, the, all the automatic qualifiers are all, you know, under 30. They're all young guys. Then Darren will probably need to bring in one or two of the experienced guys. So he's just not ruling anybody out and making a smart move. Uh, this this Eurasia Cup, it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a dud, though, isn't it, for us? In terms of competitiveness. I, I, th- I think it was unfortunate that it ended uh, 18 and a half to 5 and a half, 12 and a half as needed to win it. It's difficult because these guys are pros, you know, Shane Lowry, Poults, uh, uh, Willett, all these guys want to win. And, you know, it's, they're not going to take the foot off the gas. Mm. You know, I think after the first two days, they, they I think they needed three three points in the singles. Um, you know, which, which was always going to happen. You know, but, you know, these guys are so professional. And, and, and I wouldn't have wanted them to go out and take the foot off the gas mm-hmm. in, in the singles. And... Um, it's going to fire the belly for the guys in in the Asia Tour to come back. Um, it's going to be renewed now. They're, they're going to do it again in 2018. Would this competition, however, work if it was being played in on a European course? Would the crowds turn out to it? I don't know. I think this is a very good match to try and get interest over in Asia and, and, and the lights of India where it's massively growing. But... Look, I, I, I'm not going to say that I sat and watched all of it because, no, I didn't. I saw the highlights. Mm. Is it a waste of space? No, it's not because you have to develop the game around the world. Is it of any benefit for Asia to lose 18.5 to 5.5? Probably not. In the short term, it, it needs to try and balance it some way, whether that's bringing in other countries or other areas but it's it's hard to do it or limit how high a ranking a european tour uh, a european player can be or can have to get on the team so it could be outside like the, the top 50 or something like or that may, yeah maybe just some sort of tweaking for now but there will come a day when the asian team will absolutely destroy us and there's no doubt about that it's sheer volume of numbers they have a much larger population in asia than you in europe and ultimately that numbers will come you know, and I, through, and they will absolutely destroy us someday. I'd like to hear people's views on this at Podcast GTS, and um, you know, kind of whether it's worth it. it. In my opinion, this is where it comes down to: if we cancelled a competition like this with results like that, the Ryder Cup would have died a long, long time ago. Yeah, um, America dominated that to the point where okay, it was GB in Ireland, mm-hmm. but. You know, they made changes, but even at that point, there was still a long way to go before oh, yeah. Europe started dominating as they have now. It swings in roundabouts. It's it's worth it for the development of the game. Whether or not, on a commercial basis, it would be ever successful, as I say, bringing it to Europe, I'm not sure. In my view, and I was saying this to you the other week, um, I would like to see the winner of the Ryder Cup play that on the alternative September. So there is a team event every September, mm-hmm. whether it be the Eurasia Cup or a a kind of a president's 
where it's the winner of the Ryder Cup plays a world team or I some way that. of that. It'd be like the barbarians um, of golf, you know, like the, the rugby, te- you know, the rugby barbarians team. For anyone who doesn't know what it is, it's it's made up of the best rest of world players versus the, the home nation. So that'd be so cool if, like, the winner of the Ryder Cup got to play a best rest of world team, the ultimate. And, and you could certainly do it in 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 the concept of there needs to be two South African, minimum of two South African, two Asian, two Australian, etc., etc. Or, or the Something regions, like yeah. you know, of, yeah, of, yeah. of Africa, of whatever you two do. Two from each Asia. continent or something like that. And then the yeah. rest are, are, are to be picked thereafter. It would just make it interesting. I think it's a bad time of the year as well. No, nobody's particularly looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, it's, 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 it's another trophy. It's great for Darren Clark. It's great for the young players. I think we should incorporate our... Uh, GolfBarbarians.com website and company and get this going before I put the podcast up. Yeah, yeah. no, no, I think it's a good idea. Let's patent it. Um, <laughs> let's have a quick p- review of what's been taking place in the PGA Tour over the last couple of weeks and they're on their Hawaiian swing, yeah. uh, which uh, I actually really enjoy because usually my insomnia kicks in around midnight and I can't get to sleep, so I get a, few, a good few hours of watching this. And... Um, the first was the Hyundai Tournament of Champions at the Plantation Course in Kapalua um, in Hawaii. It's it's one of those tournaments. It, well, firstly, it is what it says. It's only for people who won on the previous year's tour. So mm-hmm. you're talking the creme de la creme. That turn up, Rory didn't. But anyway. Um, Neither did Jason Day. Or Jason Day. But a few of the guys took a week off. Um, at the end of at the end of it, it's it's worth saying that um, you know that the, the the guy who's head and shoulders that week, Jordan Spieth, just shone through. And um, minus thirty, nearly very close to beating. I think was it Ernie Els's record. And mm-hmm. um, a dominant display. When you watch it, you you, you kind of sit back and think, this is going to be a long season for a lot of other guys because he was just able to turn it on. And he was doing that the the speed thing of like rolling in these bombs, making the ridiculous saves, the things that you just we thought last year. Yeah, he can't keep doing that forever. Well, it turns out he, you know, changing to 2016 doesn't really make a difference to him. I, I think that, well, the wraparound season yeah, 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 <laughs> is exactly. continuing as he left off. The interesting thing about, uh, and I saw a stat halfway through the, uh, the, the, the round, and I think it was until probably the third or the fourth hole on the Sunday, he was like 108 for 108 putts inside six feet. And that's just phenomenal golf. Like if you're, if you are, for us to be 105, 106, you know, out of 105, 106 from like a foot, we'd be delighted. Six foot isn't that, you know, we all know we're, we're standing over a six foot. That's, that's knee knocking stuff. Now I know for pros it's a different kettle of fish, but that's some stat. So clearly the, you know, his putting is just, and I think we look back and you say about comparisons to Tiger. You look back at Tiger's dominant times and the time that he was absolutely dominant. He was dominant at a time where he was putting and he was able to just turn the screw on the putting green and really just kill guys. Didn't matter if they were longer than him, shorter than him, better wedge player. When he got on the green, he just uh, absolutely killed it. And there was a few other, I suppose, good good players that week. Um, kind of, you know, good showings by um, Reed and Snedeker, Fowler. Um, good, good showing from uh, Harrington as well. Kepka will be happy, and so will Nike. Yes, after switching, you know, switching and a good early 
showing with the new equipment. And I think what we'll do is we're going to actually talk about that maybe next week. There's quite a bit of equipment changes and people moving around. And, this, and there's a this, new guy. This is the equipment transfer window. Yeah, yeah, because interestingly, there's, you know. PXG. The PS, yeah. Like, mm. they, they're new boys in town, and I was watching a lot about them over the last couple of weeks. But they're starting to put together a very marquee group of players yeah. that are very interested well, in uh, Well, we'll look through that and then who they've signed up. Like, I've been... Uh, I saw their stuff kind of come out earlier last year the, through golf, various golf websites and a bit of uh, golf media. And, um, Ryan Moore tried them out for a bit. He's one of my favorite golfers, so that kind of that's what triggered it. And uh, interesting what they're doing. And Bob Parsons, uh, the owner, seems to have just said, said kind of taken the the oil oligarch it's kind the of money approach. Object, yeah. yeah, like you know, kind of like Roman Abramovich at Chelsea. I'm just throwing money at this and having a bit of fun and see what happens. And uh, you know what? With, the, with that. Big stable of players, and especially with Zach Johnson being the Open champion, they're going to get a lot of um, brand awareness this year from but, that. And but if they get the a couple key. of wins, they could really launch. Like, like the key is brand awareness. You know, it's not that long ago that we were all looking at Nike and going, "Here, hold on, you're not a golf club manufacturer. Mm-hmm. You do a bit of clothing, you do your sports stuff, but you're you don't make golf clubs." And now look at them; they're you know right up there with your Callaways, your Titleists, your TaylorMates. The market is there. You'd think it's saturated, but it's amazing yeah. when you can find a new niche. No, it'll be an interesting conversation. We'll definitely put it down to be talked about in the next couple of weeks because PXG are in another price bracket altogether from the the regular market clubs that yeah. we, we, we'd all love and know and talk about it on a regular basis. So, so it's an interesting topic to discuss, I think. Let's have a look at last week in the Sony Open, which I suppose was, you know, back to the kind of the full tour lads and, uh, uh, Fabian Gomez defeated Snedeker on the second hole of a playoff after Snedeker failed to make the birdie uh, to match his. And Snedeker, you know, really has started to put a bit of form. He had it at the, the Tournament of Champions, uh, the Sony Open again. Um, was he at fault to let this slip through his hands or was Gomez just, just simply better on the, the time that it counted? Mm, I have biased opinions on this. I had a bet on Snedeker to win, so... Well, that's uh, why he lost then, obviously. Um, probably, yeah. Sorry, Brandt. My bad. Uh, <laughs> Gomez strung seven birdies together on a Sunday. Um, if, you know, if you're going to pick a good time to do it, Sunday's a great time to do it. Uh, when you're, <laughs> put yourself in there. Uh, Snedeker missed the fairway in a playoff. Um, you can do that over the course of 72 holes, but in a one-hole shootout, you really can't afford to be doing that, and especially in a reachable par 5. I mean, Gomez uh, said to his caddy he was going to take hybrids off the tee the sec- on the second pla- the second time they played it, did, made the fairway, and was still able to reach the green in two. So, uh, yeah, it's Snedeker's fault. He shouldn't be missing the fairway. Uh, still had a chance to make the putt, but could, could have made it a bit easier for himself. So, um, yep. Say la vie. Well, it is what it is, I suppose, and uh, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't be looking too far beyond Snedeker at the moment because he's certainly coming in to that uh, vein of form that he likes, and it would be great to see him back, you know, back in the winners' enclosure as well. And um, looking ahead to this week, and uh, I suppose we should, as everybody knows, this is Thursday, so we're slightly uh, behind the run rate in getting the podcast out this week so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what is happening right now rather than uh, what might happen and uh, the PGA Tour uh, the LPGA is returning this week is this 25th? 25th oh. is now yeah 
the week of the 25th was what, how I put it. I'm sorry. They, they're coming back, I guess, on the 28th next week. Next week. So yeah. they, they're back next week. So another week for them to, to enjoy the sunshine. But uh, the European Tour, and this is really where the, the, the main action is, it's uh, the Abu Dhabi HSBC Golf Championship. And, uh, you know, this has been billed for quite a bit as uh, Rory versus Spieth. The uh, the big guys are back versus and, uh, Fowler and versus Fowler. We shouldn't forget Fowler. I keep kind of forgetting him at the moment because because he's small, he, isn't it? You're a sizest. Well, no, I I'm, I'm no. a fan of Fowler's, uh, but um, I suppose it, it it's the fact that this whole week on on the likes of the European Tour website, it does seem to be kind of speed versus McElroy, you know, and. Uh, I suppose we can say pretty qu- clearly today, anyway, that uh, Rory had a super 66, six under, and tied third behind Henrik Stenson and uh, uh, DeChambeau, who is at minus eight, and Henrik Stenson is at minus seven. Uh, going down, Andy Sullivan is continuing a good run, uh, 67 today. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, 68. Uh, Jordan Spieth, 68. So he's not that far away. Thomas Bjorn. Uh, 68 and, and there's a few other guys down there um, See, there you go a couple of the young English lads Andy Sullivan and Matthew Fitzpatrick poking their head up in the first kind of big tournament on the European Tour of 2016 they're going to be uh, racking up the points and I think you're going to see one if not both of them qualifying to make the Ryder Cup team this year well can I say and and he never seems to be too far off the, the top of the, the leaderboard and that's a uh, Brandon Grace and said that the South yeah. African like he's just he's the kind of player who doesn't get talked about an awful lot in the media you don't see him all the time in the magazines and, and on, online but and if he didn't you know, blow that tee shot right on 16 in Chambers Bay then he, he would be yeah but like he's he's now world ranked 16th you know he's he's tied third with Rory 66 today and you know he's just a quality quality player yeah. who just Keeps going under the radar to a certain extent. No, you know, he is, you're right. He's a headline ninja. He just I don't know. He never. He doesn't seem to make the big headlines. Maybe it's because he's he seems to be fairly kind of calm and chilled out and softly spoken after the round. He doesn't really kind of court any controversy at all. So yeah, he just happily just goes about his business. And I could see him winning a major. Whether it'll happen or not, you know, he could. It could be. He could turn into one of those. Really, one of those really good players to never win a major because he's there's no doubt he's supremely talented. I, I think for him, if it happens, it's got it, when you look at the, the the guys who are 15 stop uh, stops ahead of him in the world rankings. Mm. You know, it's hard to always look at a, a major and not look at the top five, the top six, top seven. Um, but he's definitely a player that on his day, mm-hmm. you know. Dare I say it could do a Zach Johnson kind of come out of nowhere and win win a major? Not that he's not known, but just you wouldn't necessarily be putting your twenty euros on him at the beginning of a tournament where yes. you have your speeds, you have your roars, you have your failures, you have you know all of these guys. He did well for me last year. I had him, I had him in a couple of the majors at decent odds in each way, and I was very excited in the U.S. Open coming down the stretch. It would have been a massive payout. I did, I did well out of the the place payout, but uh, you bought a new pair of shoes, the listeners. Uh, yes, I did. Um, that was that was a wonderful day. Um, no, look, I, I like watching him play golf. He's got a lovely golf swing. Um, 
see what see what the year brings them, and it's a good start to the tournament. Yeah, just to, to put it also uh, to say, Ricky Fowler's tied twenty ninth at the moment. He had a two under seventy today, so there's a little bit of room for him uh, to, yeah. to move tomorrow. Three time winner uh, Martin Keimer's three under tied twelfth. He used to own this course completely, and I remember last year he was ten shots clear and completely blew up, uh, letting Gary Stahl in for the win. It's a, it, it really does feel, when you look through the list of players that are playing this week, you know, you've got the Victor de Brissons, you've got the Keimers, you've got, you've got all the big, big names are back, mm. or starting to come back. Um, it's a very, very strong field, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's a great tournament, and a beautiful, on a beautiful course, and just makes me cry when I saw it today that I wasn't having, uh, sunshine outside and, and being able to play. But uh, we'll keep it. There's no point giving odds right now yeah. because uh, it's it's already started. So uh, better running people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it'd be interesting to see, as I say, how Bryson does over the next. Uh, he's such a big character. You know, he's either gonna just soar in in height, or he's just gonna crash and burn in flames over the next while. But uh, at the moment, he's certainly uh, he, sitting he, at top of the leaderboard. So. As soon as that guy turns pro. Whatever company grabs him are going to have so much fun. They, they'll just—he'll have his own little kind of BC kind of label on his hat or his logo, you know. Bryce, Sean, i don't know what he's, they'll do, but they'll have fun. He's with certainly it. unique. Uh, over the PGA Tour is the Career Builder Challenge in partnership with the Clinton Foundation. Um, we're now down in the PGA West uh, TPC Stadium course in La Quinta, in California. Uh, Seven thousand three hundred yard par seventy-two and. Uh, Bill Haas is defending, and again, this has, again, it started since we, we came on air, but uh, yeah. Bill Haas at the moment is tied second uh, with the, uh, currently three under through six holes. Um, they play, this is a, it's like they play three different courses uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so there's a 54 hole cut, and then off they go to the stadium course on Sunday, the re- you know, regular amount of people get cut, uh, it gets cut to the regular amount of people, so um, yeah, plenty of birdies available this week. Um, usual guys kind of do well in California. Yeah, you know, this this time of year, whether it's a mix of California or this time of year, you usually see the same names popping up again and again. You know, like I said, Bill Haas there, defending champion. He's up. Uh, he's three hundred through six. So good vibes, I guess. Yeah, I, I think this tournament is is certainly this week secondary to what's going on in Abu Dhabi. It's, for us, for, well, I would say probably generally, but really, you know, our podcast GTS. If our American listeners uh, dispute it, I think that wherever Rory McIlroy, and particularly for our American listeners, wherever Jordan Spieth is playing, is ninety nine percent guaranteed to be the main focus of what goes on. Bobby um, said he was watching it last night because. It's, yeah, it's through yeah, the night. Yeah. Um, so he said it was kind of fun to be watching golf at night again because he hasn't watched golf at night since he left Ireland. You know, when we get to see the, the PJ Tour at night on Thursday through Sunday. So, uh, he said, it, he said it was, it was uh, nice not to have an afternoon taking up a golf, but it was good to see the boys going at it and Rory just blasting drivers miles past speed. Yeah. And, but again, we go back to, to yeah. where it is, you know, last, last, uh, last week or two weeks ago at the, uh, the Hyundai. Championship really didn't make any difference. You know, he was a he was a club difference in practically every round that uh, he was playing. But uh, you know, some of the shots, and I, I just thinking of the three wood. You know, the you know on the par five that 
nearly went in. It was just a super shot. Just yeah. so many. And then and then on 18, again, it really doesn't matter. This he's, guy doesn't he's need long, the length. He's you know, long he's, enough. Yeah. He's okay. long enough. And that's it. That's that's the crucial thing. He's not a 270-yard driver. He's, he's longer than that. He's long enough that he doesn't need to be much longer to compete. That's it, but look, it's it's uh, it's nice that the season started again. Uh, we'll keep an eye on this over the next few days. Um, I suppose there's just a few things to say. Uh, thank you, Barry, again for all your input this week. Um, Thanks thank, for hosting. No problem. Uh, thank you, the listeners, particularly for being very patient with us over the last couple of weeks. We are now back in business and we're up and running for 2016, which is going to be, in my view, just a, a super year, both... Mm doing the podcast, watching golf, and hopefully playing it. Um, anybody who wants to get in contact with us at Podcast GTS, if you want to shout at us, please send it to Barry's direct. Um, but at Podcast GTS is the best place to get a hold of us. Goodtalkspoiled at gmail.com. We have a great plan over the next number of weeks for some interesting discussions um, around the season and around rules and things like that. So, We're going to leave it at that. I want to thank you again, Barry. Thank you to the listeners. And uh, hope everybody had a great Christmas. Happy New Year. And uh, good luck for 2016. Bye-bye, huh? Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.